Welcome to the Believe in the Land show. My name is Andy Billman. Let's take a look back at the week that was in Cleveland sports. Happy 4th of July week. Hope everybody out there is having plenty of Roman candle dreams and hot dog martinis and all sorts of chocolate and fun. I love the 4th of July. It's one of my favorite holidays of the year. Hope everybody out there is having a great holiday weekend and kicking it off the right way with family and friends. Speaking of family and friends, we are going to start with the Cavs, but I thought first we would talk a little bit about baseball. The MLB All-Star Reserves were announced. Here's what we know. Emmanuel Classe made the All-Star team. Funny enough, my fiance, beautiful Christy, goes, I'm surprised he made it. I am not. Um, he's actually having a very strong year. The difference um, is this year to last year, he was elite. He was really on a different level, which, you know, is rarefied error, meaning he was not making mistakes. This year he's making mistakes. He's not, he's, he's having some moments where he isn't quite perfect, but since the, when he had like basically a mini meltdown in the, in the Queens with the Mets, he has been solid. He's only given up one earned run outside the Kansas city. What happened on Thursday. So he's had a very good stretch. He is tied for the league leader in saves. He is a wonderful closer he is having a very good year. He's not having an elite year, but he's having a good year. And kudos to Emmanuel Classe. Excited for him. And, of course, Jose Ramirez was also announced as a backup at third baseman. He deserves an all-star game, uh, obviously, plug. There's no reason to go on. He's the best player on the Guardians. He is the reason why the Guardians are where they are at at times. He really carries the team. The one guy who probably... Fans felt shafted, and I do too, is Josh Naylor. In the AL, it's difficult because there's a lot of good first basemen. Vlad Guerrero got the first baseman backup reserve. It's hard to argue that. He's an elite player. He's a star player. Uh, maybe Josh Naylor gets in because there are several injuries on the AL side, so maybe he gets a chance to play. We'll see. He is by far player 1A, I think, is Jose. A close 1B is Josh Naylor. He's the one guy I think you can argue got snubbed who is probably deserving to be there in some years. But again, uh, I wish he was there. I hope he gets there. He is having a very good year. He will be an all-star at some point. Happy for Jose Ramirez. He can't say enough. Again, he had the biggest hit of the season, that home game against St. Louis. I thought really turned around the season for the guards, really put them um, really in this big stretch here where they've been a lot better since – that game and at home against St. Louis. That was just a rocky day up until that point. And again, Emmanuel Classe, well-deserving, deserves to be an all-star, is an all-star, and I'm happy for Classe. Good for him. Okay, now, two other things that are going on. We're going to go back to the Cavs. We'll do more Guardians towards the middle of the show, but it has been a big transition week for our calves. And in fact, we're going to break it down in two segments because there's a lot to digest here. There was a, it really all started off with the calves. And for people who missed it, it's free agency season. It is a big part of the NBA. Now, uh, you know, there's really, and you know, it's a big part of the NFL too. Certainly a big part of MLB, but I would actually venture out to say in the NBA, because there's only so many players, and there are so many stars. It, the NBA free agency period really gets hyped. 
baseball does, certainly the NFL does. It just feels different and, I mean, just like a, a, a bullet train full of information once the free agency period starts for the NBA, as it did again this year. And the Cavs obviously are in flux. There was, how should I say, silly rumors. It was silly season. You would read some things about Darius Garland getting traded. That was nonsense. Some some rumors about Jared Allen. He was never going to get traded. And, you know, we can debate about whether that one was more reasonable or not, but it's, it makes a lot of sense to bring him back, so I'm not going to poo-poo that tonight. You know, just real quickly on Allen, I, I love Jared Allen. He has done so much for his organization. I am concerned about how he played in the last two months for the Cavs. I didn't think he played well in March. I didn't think he played well in April, and he certainly didn't play well in the playoffs. So because of that, I'm kind of concerned. And I do see some – he's going to have to make some big improvement type things on the floor, in my opinion. I don't think it's going to be quick. I think the Garden. I think the Cavs are going to have some interesting decisions with Jared Allen late in games, especially if he can't rebound. That's for a different podcast, for a different show, which we will dive into. All that to be said, none of those things happen. The core four is returning. It really started off and kicked off with Karis LeVert signing a two-year deal for $32 million. It's a good deal for Karis LeVert. Why? Because it's a it's kind of it's well earned money. It's he earned he is a he is that type of player. He deserves sixteen million a year. It also gives him an opportunity in two years if he plays the way he thinks he plays. It gives him an opportunity to make a life changing career contract after that. So because of the limited amount of years, I think it actually gives Karis Levert a great opportunity. If he doesn't want to come back to Cleveland two years, which is as a, as a long time as we all know in sports, it gives him an opportunity to really max out on a big deal. So I thought it made sense. It is the right deal. $16 million for what he has done. I know fans get really upset with Karis LeVert times because I don't quite understand. All the guy does is produce. He is an off-the-bench six-man, and he does the job. People forget he single-handedly won the game in Boston earlier in the very early parts of the season without Darius Garland. He comes in and makes other players in the team better. His stats represent that he plays decent, to, at times good defense, and he hustles, plays hard, and he's well-liked. Karis LeVert's not an all-star. Karis LeVert's not a game-changer. But do you need Karis LeVert-type players in your club? Yes, you do. And for the first time, he played virtually healthy. He really wasn't hurt last year which is a big part of coming back. <coughs> uh, excuse me. There got a little emotional about Karis LeVert. Got to get some old uh, water here. Got a little emotional uh, about Mr. LeVert. Hold on for a second. <coughs> anyways. All right. I'm back now. Ooh. Anyways, I thought Karis deserved the deal. I think Karis LeVert is deserving of this money. And I think he does the job. He produces. He is not expected to carry the club. That is Donovan Mitchell. That is Evan Mobley. And that is Garland. What Lavert does is compliments the players, which is what you're supposed to do. I do think at times fans should remember that. Karis Lavert is not paid 
to make big shots in big moments. He will from time to time, and he will be asked to do that this year too, which is no, which, which is no question he will be asked to do that. All that to be said, though, Levert does the job. Levert is a good guy that comes off the bench. Levert is a guy that will win you games like he did in Boston. He's not going to win more than four and five games, but he won that game that night for the Cavs. He's had, he had a moment in Miami where I thought he won the game for the Cavs. So he does those kind of things. So because of that, I do think this is a good signing. Again, he is not an elite player. He is not a player that you say Karis LeVert carries the Cavs through March. He's not going to do that. But he has moments where he will win you a game. He won the Boston game. He won a game I thought like in Miami. I thought he played that well in Miami in later in the season. He has three or four of those moments. And then he he does play well with this team. He knows his role on this team, which is very important. Karis LeVert, two-year deal that makes a lot of sense for the Cavs, too. It is a good deal for the Cavs. That way, if they have to, they can flip the contract. I don't think they will. I don't think Karis LeVert's going anywhere in these two years. I don't. Unless something really goes off the rails. So if it does, which we all know can happen in sports, Karis LeVert is there and in place with that contract to make a flipping, to meaning on a trade. Two-year deal, $32 million. Then, shortly after that, we got the George Niang sign, which we'll get to in a second, from the 76ers. Another small forward, sometimes power forward, I can see for this. When they go to a smaller lineup, Niang, what's his specialty? He shoots the three. He is also a guy that is well-liked um, by the fans in Philly. He is a fun-loving guy. He has fun with the fans. I think he's going to be a fan favorite here in Cleveland. George Niang is offense. He comes in, he plugs, he can pass the ball, he can shoot the three. That's his big thing. He comes in, he shoots the three. He can make shots. Not consistently, not all the time. He's not going to play more than 10 or 11 minutes. But at certain moments, second half, I can see them going to a smaller line with George Niang in there. Made a lot of sense. They needed to start taking care of the wing. That was their first step. Again, I can't say this enough. I think George Niang is going to be a popular player here. He was a fan favorite in the 76ers. I think he'll be a fan favorite here in Cleveland. Good signing. They needed to do it. Three years, $26 million. The one thing about George, Niang is not known for his defense. He is not a rebounder by trade. He will get a rebound occasionally, but defense and and rebounding is a liability. I don't think it's as huge a liability as it was for Osman, which is good, but I don't think it's anywhere close to his strength either, so I don't want him to be having any misgivings about Niang. When Niang's on the floor, he's coming in there to shoot and provide offense. So I like those two. You had to sign revert. You had to re-sign revert. They did. George Niang is a good start to the small forward. I think at times when the Cavs play a smaller lineup, a power forward even, even though he's not really a truly a power forward, but when they play small, they put Mobley at the five, Niang, I could definitely see 
being there as a four. And then the big trade happened on Saturday morning. Max Strauss came over from Miami in a big deal. Four-year, $63 million contract. The Cavs had to give away Chetty Osman, Lamar Stevens, and draft compensation to bring in Strauss. Now, let's take two different notes with Strauss. Number one, Strauss cost a lot of money, four for 63. So basically about 15 and change per, four year, per year. Okay. Why did they do that? Because he steadily improved his game. He isn't by trade a small forward. He is on the smaller side of small forwards, but he does what? He shoots the ball. Strauss does one thing. He shoots the ball. Again, think about where the Cavs were last year. Think about how they need a three-point shooting. Niang, and then they really take another leap forward Strauss. Strauss started the back half of the season for the Heat about 50% of the time. He started about 33 starts out of 82. That's pretty good. So it's a little, it's a little under half, but towards the end of the season, he was starting more. He started a lot in the playoffs for the Heat. Strauss is not a star. Karis Levert and Strauss are very similar. If you think Max Strauss is coming in here to lift the team, to take them to get to big places, you're going to be disappointed. He will win a handful of games like Levert. He'll have three or four games where he's like, Max Strauss won the game. He'll do that. He is well-liked. He is an easy guy to get along with. Strauss fits in small forward. I would be shocked if he's not the starting small forward coming in October for the Cavs. Garland, Mitchell, Strauss, Mobley Allen. That's probably what you're looking at. Niang coming off the bench, Levert coming off the bench. And we'll get to some, you know, Okoro coming off the bench. Obviously, Ricky Rubio coming off the bench. We'll get to two other guys who they signed to who will probably play small roles. Maybe in time, Bates as well. But Bates is way back in the background. They needed to take something with small forward. They've done that. Strauss fits that role. Niang fits that role. They took the offensive approach here with both. Strauss is a player's coach. Dream. He, he again. He steadily improves. He has a lot of playoff experience now. He played a long playoff run for the Heat. He comes in here ready to go. Did the Cavs, in theory, maybe pay too much for Max Strauss? Okay, sure. But that's what you have to do to bring guys in like this. You can't just flippantly make a deal or make a trade and not expect to pay. That's how it works in free agency. Do I think the Cavs overpaid for Max Strauss? No, I don't. They needed to make improvements in small forward. I like this deal a lot. I think Strauss is a good ad. I like how this free agent period started. Levert coming back was a must. Niang is a good player off the bench. And Strauss is probably, in my opinion, going to be the starting small forward. I like this. It was a good start to the free agency period for our Cavaliers. These things made sense. These deals made sense. It's improved. The Cavs have gotten better. Are these fantastic deals that make the Cavs elite? No. But you could not have been expecting that. Draymond Green was never coming here. Dylan Brooks was never coming here. Other players that have been mentioned were never coming here. Kelly Oubre clearly was never coming here. And by the way, there's some people who believe Kelly Oubre didn't have the right mindset for maybe long-term success. Strauss does. Niang's a fan favorite. They know Levert. 
These players are comfortable for the Cavs. And they, again, with Niang and Strauss specifically, they do fill a need with small forward wing. They're going offense. The Cavs believe they have – these moves tell you the Cavs believe they have the defense with Okoro being as a backup at small forward of points or shooting guard at certain moments to play defense. So they're telling you we believe in Okoro to play enough defense and we're bringing in guys like Strauss. We're bringing in a guy like Niang to do one thing. We need them to shoot threes in certain spots so that way we can spread the floor a little bit and or play smaller for the Cavs, which is needed at times. And the Cavs couldn't play small because they really didn't have the depth with certain players. Now they do. This was a good start to the Cavs. Again, I'll say this out, out loud. This was not something, though, that's just strictly like the Cavs made these elite moves. That is not the case. We'll get to more of the Cavaliers free agency when we come back. Welcome back to the Believe in the Land show. My name is Andy Billman. If you love content that's instantaneous after game's over, you like to talk about what was going on in the Guardians game, final out has been made. Go to, on Instagram, at Official Cleveland Sports. It's part of the Believe in the Land media company. That is at Official Cleveland Sports. I'm on there. You'll see me there after every Guardians game, Browns games, and Cavs games in the fall as well. Buckeyes, too, in the late summer, early fall. Go to, again, at Official Cleveland Sports. It's part of the Believe in the Land, Believe in the Land Company. If you like content like this, go to BelieveInTheLand.com. Go to Believe in the Land YouTube page, which you're probably on right now for some of you. Check it out. A lot of videos done by me. And the Believe in the Land content covers all three teams. Buckeyes football, too. Also covers Cleveland with society and life and all sorts of other things, too. So if you need Cleveland stuff with videos, articles, and much more, believeintheland.com. Check it out. So the Cavs, again, I give this a good this is a good B+. What this told you was the Cavs are really believing in what they have on defense. Okoro's defense, he's not really offense. They spiced it up with what they got now offensively. No doubt they did, by the way. No doubt. Which I think, again, makes sense. You can understand that. So when you make a trade for Strauss in particular, you're giving up two players, Osman and Stevens. I'm going to take Okuro here for a second, too. So I think it's important to take Okuro into this, and here's why. They had three players. Two of them kind of did different things. And those players were Chetty was 0 for offense. Lamar Stevens came in, gave you grit, toughness, and defense. Basically what the Cavs said in so many words to me is they said, you know what? We don't need two guys to do two separate things. We'd rather get a big jump on offense because we believe in Okuro's ability defensively. That makes sense to me. Chetty Osmond's done a lot of good for Cleveland. He's a very well-liked guy. He didn't turn into the star some of us thought he might be. He just didn't do it. Didn't mean he's a bad player. Didn't mean he's a guy that you can't like. I mean, he did some things. But I think this is kind of what he was going to be. There really wasn't too much more to think about with a guy like Chetty Osmond. It's just not going to be much more than this. This isn't. It's sad you had to trade him. It's sad you had to let him go, but you can't keep Chetty Osman, Lamar Stevens, 
and Isaac Okoro with the players you just picked up. And Isaac Okoro really plays a dual role. He's going to do two things. He's going to play shooting guard defense, which is what he excels in. If there are certain moments you need a defensive stop, he is going, going to do that. And then other moments when you need something on maybe a small forward who's not as big, Okoro can do the job. They're telling you they believe in Okoro's defense. Because Niang, Strauss, really not brought in for their defense. So when a big defensive moment happens, they need to stop, they're going to put Okoro in the game. That's small forward. That's what they're going to do. Hopefully that pays off. We will see. Would I have gotten a bigger small forward defensively? Maybe, but now that I see how everything works, I actually would have, yes. I'm sorry, I should be more stronger, yes. But they did draft Bates as well, which we'll get to here at the end of the segment. So I get where they're going. It makes sense. You can't get upset with these with the Cavs with these early moves in trading Osmond Stevens and draft compensation from Max Strauss. Can't, can't get upset. Cavs had a big deficiency on offense with small forward. It was very obvious. They don't anymore. You're going to have to defend Niang and Strauss. You're going to have to. If they're playing small forward, that is a huge problem. Huge. And the Cavs with Niang for a second. At times in the third and fourth quarter, if they really want to go small, Garland, Mitchell, Strauss, Niang, Mobley, you could probably do some damage on offense. And with Mobley's ability on defense, do enough with what you got there on the floor. That's a lot of shooting. With two guys who like to dribble the rock and a guy like Mobley who can control the paint, which is his strength, plays to Mobley's strengths. They're playing to strengths and trying to fix weaknesses. And basically what the Cavs are saying here is we acknowledge we're a defensive team. Chetty Osman, I explained, Lamar Stevens is going to be well-loved no matter where he goes. And in Cleveland especially, we love underdogs. And Lamar Stevens was an underdog. He came in. He played defense. He brought in his lunch pail. He plays hard. That's what guys like Lamar Stevens do. But you have to make trades like this. They go to the Spurs in a three-way deal, and it makes sense to bring in a guy like Strauss. It just does. It helps out the Heaps. They're trying to make moves with Damian Lillard. And it takes – And you know what? With their problem, we take on – we saying the Cavs, they take on that situation by bringing in a guy like Strauss to do things. So that was really the first 48, 72 hours. I like what they did. I thought it was a B plus. It's not an A. It's not an A minus. Again, you're not going to run out by, by Max Strauss and George Niang jerseys. I'm, I'm well aware of that. But you weren't really doing that Lamar Stevens and, and, and Chetty Osmond either. And are they better today? Yes. And then they did some more things. That was, core, that was kind of more behind the scenes. Ty Jerome. Also came over. He is going to be playing for the Cavs a little bit as a basically a backup guard in some way, shooting guard most times. He can shoot. He is a good player. He is a depth piece for the Warriors, so he hasn't played a whole lot. He is a quote-unquote emergency in case something happens to Rubio. Ty Jerome came in, small deal, good protection in case something happens. Ty Jerome won't be playing a lot for the Cavs. 
And then they brought in another individual, Damian Jones, big dude, 6'11", 245 pounds. He is basically going to be playing two things, backup center to relieve Jared Allen. He's also going to come in at times, I think, to do what we need a guy to do, come in and be a big potty and be a bruiser. He does not play much more than eight to 10 minutes a game at the max, probably more six to eight, just to give Allen a breather. Or in case Allen gets in foul trouble, you can put Damian Jones in. Damian Jones is not a scorer. Damian Jones is not really an effective defender. He's okay defensively. He's just a big body. He's not bad defensively, but he's okay. He's not really known for his rebounding, but he can rebound. Again, he doesn't really have a strength. The one problem with the Damian Jones is he does foul. He does foul. But he is not an incompetent player. He can play minutes. He averages anywhere from that range in the past few years from 10 to 20. I think for the Cavs, you're more looking at 8 to 12. I don't see him having many more minutes than that on this team. He comes over from Utah. He does have his experience, too, in L.A. Again, big body makes sense. They needed a backup center. They took care of that position now. Now, with Bates being drafted from Eastern Michigan, there's hope that someday he can develop into possibly a small forward. He is not going to be playing that right away. And in fact, Bates is going to need a lot of time. Hopefully a lot of time means a year. Maybe it's two or three years. But they protected themselves from that. The The guy you would love to fill in this starting wing at some point is a guy like Bates. But what the signings the Cavs did, this allows them to grow Bates and allows Bates also to become the player he can be without being forced into anything, meaning off the bench playing. Bates on this team, there's no role for him right now playing any minutes, unless there's catastrophic injuries, which in the NBA season can happen. You can have moments where a couple guys go down and you're going to need to have a spot, guy come off the bench, and Bates can do that. There are moments where you have catastrophic nights where two or three guys are down at the same time. Bates will come in. Outside that, you're not going to see him much initially. Unless he really turns heads and has an unbelievable summer. Which, I mean, anything's possible, but that's not likely here. If I were the Cavs, I would think hard about doing one thing. I would add a small forward, power forward with size for defense. I think that'd make a lot of sense. Outside that, I can't pick apart too many other things here because it kind of is what it is. This roster's pretty well buttoned down. There's not a lot left here to do. That's the one thing I can see left. Can you add one more small forward with maybe more of a defensive upside? Because outside that, I don't see much here. This These trades, though, were good days for Donovan Mitchell. Good days for Don for Darius Garland, and certainly good days for Mobley. Those three players needed a space person to shoot threes. That has happened now. JB also looks good in the situation for next year because now he's able to really put out there a small lineup that's competent enough 
to go in there and be good. That's something the Cavs didn't have the ability to do. They have that now. These are not elite players. This certainly does not make them the favorite in the East. I would never say that. Cavs have a lot of development to do. They're still one of the younger teams in the league. But adding these players allows hope for a transition for our Cavs. And that's what free agency is supposed to do here. They did their big trade last year. They got Donovan Mitchell in here. They're not going to be able to do much more than that. And it's not reasonable for the Cavs to think anything less than that. I wouldn't beat up the, the Cavs too much for this because these deals make sense. They did not have any kind of weapon offensively at the wing. They do now. Levert's not a wing. He's a, he's a guard. He's a guard. He's a guard. They need him to play guard. They need him to come in and relieve people. They want to have an opportunity, too, in certain situations to have. Here's another example. Garland, Mitchell, Levert, Niang, Mobley. It's a very effective offensive lineup. I like the offensive lineup. They're giving themselves flexibility. I like what the Cavs did. I think the Cavs got better through free agency. I thought they also kept arm's length away from other teams. Kudos to the Cavs. They did what they needed to do here without making risky, I'd say high-risk maneuvers. These are good risk for proper placement. Strauss, good ad. I think he's your starter. Small forward. Niang will be, again, I think Niang's going to be well-loved in this town. And Karasovert had to come back. The Chetty Osman, Lamar Stevens, which we, again, Stevens in particular, I thought, and, and Chetty too. They're both well-liked. But they didn't give you what they needed. They both had deficiencies on the other end of the floor. Chetty was offense. Lamar was defense. You had to get a player that, and by the way, Strauss is by far better offensively than Osman. Improve that. It is more competent on defense. Niang has better size. It makes more sense. That's what they need to do here, and that's what the Cavs are doing. Niang alone brings more size. If you had to sit Strauss down and you still want some offense, Niang can go in there and do that. He's got good size. Again, he's not great defensively, but that's okay. These deals made sense. It stings to some that the Chetty Osman, Lamar Stevens airs over. But that's I think this train's gone about as far as it can with those. Big year for Isaac Okoro coming off the bench. He needs to show improvement. You know, Okoro didn't earn the starting job. If they put him back in starting job, I think that's disappointing and shocking in some aspects, unless he has a real turnaround summer here. Because he didn't prove that he can play small forward in this league starting. He just can't. Can't do it. What Okoro needs to focus on now is becoming that elite defender who comes off the bench to make stops. And that's something the Cavs could really use. Also improve his rebounding at times. I think this will make Okoro into a much better player, actually. It gives him hope because he can't be focusing just on his offensive game. He needs to become a better defender. And this will allow him to do so now. I really believe that. Good start for the Cavs. They get a BB plus. Hard to get angry and upset about these trades. Good, good day to be a Cavs fan this weekend. Very good day. 
we come back, Cleveland Guardians. Welcome back to the Believe in the Land show. My name is Andy Billman. If you love coverage, as soon as the last out happens, go to on Instagram at official Cleveland sports at official Cleveland sports. It's a part of the believe in the land media company. I do coverage as for every game, 162. I'm there for all of them. Check it out. It's at official Cleveland sports. Also, if you like coverage of the three teams in the city of Cleveland, go to believeintheland.com. That is believeintheland.com. We do coverage of all three teams, including the Buckeyes football. We also do some stuff around the city covering events and nightlife, lifestyle, all sorts of different things. Check it out, believeintheland.com. As I said at the top of the show, congratulations to Jose Ramirez. Another all-star appearance for him. Very happy for him. Well-deserved. Emmanuel Clase also got an all-star nod. He deserves it, too. He is, a, you know, he, again, he's one of the top save guys in the league. Happy for the, both those guys. If you want a guy who got snubbed as a reserve, Josh Naylor comes to mind. I think he's the only guy that comes to mind. But again, with Vladimir Guerrero, I don't think it's crazy. You can't get crazy. But it would have been nice for Josh Naylor to get a kind of position here where he could have gotten some recognition for what he does. All that to be said, that's what happened with the Guardians All-Star. And with that, we're, of course, at the midway point, which was officially on Friday. Uh, they played 81 games after the Thursday game. So now they are at that point of their season where they're at, you know, 83 games, kind of getting more settled in. The AL Central still very much up for grabs. So, you know, take a look back here. Where are the Guardians right now? Well, I think it's the big story to me that I don't think it's trumpeted enough, but I will trumpet here right now. The Guardians have done a lot in this season with not working with what they should be. And what do I mean by that? They don't have all their tools right now. You know, Tristan McKenzie didn't play. Um, really for the Guardians so far this year. He was supposed to be a big starter. <clears throat> they really didn't get what they were supposed to be getting also from, you know, Aaron Savali. He was injured. He's come back. He's done okay. He's doing good. I think he's on his way. I was too harsh for that first comment. Savali's doing good, but again, he's not, he's not elite status, and he's got a long ways to go just for himself to get back into some normalcy. Then we get to Zach Plesak, who's not even around. And Cal Quantrill's back from injury, but he hasn't performed at all. Cal Quantrill's ERA is way above five and six. I mean, he's not playing well. So 82 games in, 14-42. It's amazing the Guardians are that record. They've had so many young pitchers. Hunter Gaddis, Peyton Battenfield, who are nowhere to be found right now. Hunter Gaddis is in AAA Peyton Badfield's on a 60-day IL. Then you throw in Logan Allen, who just got sent back down, but we'll be back up. We'll get to that in a second. Then you have Gavin Williams, and then you have Tanner Bybee. Bybee was wonderful. I mean, there's a lot of rookies pitching a lot of games for the Guardians. A lot of other teams would have fallen off the rails. The Guardians have had no breaks for the starting pitching this year. They had all the breaks last year. They're getting none this year. They're really getting bitten hard by, again, Plesak's non-growth, 
Savali getting better, but again, he hasn't really pitched in a year at times, so he's finally getting into more of a routine. Hopefully he stays healthy, fingers crossed. And then Quantrill, he can't find it right now, even though he's back from injury. And Bieber's are ace, and Bieber's not having an ace-like season. And yet here they are, 40-42. It says a lot about the Cleveland Guardians with how they develop young pitching that they're still in this race with as many rookies on the mound. Guardians are really lucky to have the well-run organization by Antonetti, by Tito as well, and and by turnoff to be where they are. They're really, they're really lucky. Most other teams would have been off the rails in a corner crying. The Guardians are fighting through it and trying to make a playoff. It's, it's very remarkable. Yes, they're lucky to be in the AL Central, but they're in the AL Central, so they have every right to win this division. And I think they are going to win this division. But you can't, if you get frustrated with this team, just remember one thing. This team does not get anywhere without the help of a Allen, Logan Allen, who's going to be back up at some point, in my opinion, Gavin Williams, who really came on his last start in Kansas City, and Tanner Bybee, who's really, really pitched well, and Chicago did a great, great job. So the young starting pitching is lifting the team in it when they really needed it. Second big storyline halfway through the season is the lack of runs. It's they're they're last in home runs. They're in the bottom fit. They're in the bottom bottom five teams when it comes to slugging. They are just not hitting the ball like they should, and everyone knows it. They are really having a hard time scoring runs. Guardians are in so many one run games, one run games. They are played a they played thirty five one run games, thirty five. That's almost half. Why are they playing so many run-run games? A, their starting pitching is getting them there. And their bullpen's able to keep to keep the game <clears throat> somewhat competitive. And then obviously the other part of this is the Guardians can't score times. They're having a very hard time putting runs on the board. It's really, really been a big factor for the Guardians. Hopefully Josh Bell and Andres Jimenez both got contracts came coming into this year. They need to see improvement from both. They're both not de- producing or developing the way they should be this year. <clears throat> you can go into which one you're more disappointed with. I know a lot of fans are disappointed with Josh Bell. I've been disappointed with Andres Jimenez. He really is not. Uh, he's taken a step backwards so far. He's really not performed the way he should. It isn't just like he's a tick off. There's some things that are really... I'm noticing that he just doesn't look the same. Miles Straw, and it's, you know, there's been a lot of complaints lately about Miles Straw and Stephen Kwan. I like Stephen Kwan. I'm going to defend him. I like him playing the way he does in left field. I don't have a problem with Kwan. I'll hear the Miles Straw argument. Miles Straw does have a good war. So keep that in mind when you're talking about Straw. You know, he does win games for the Guardians. But he does not, he's not having as elite as defense as he has compared to last year. So keep that in mind too. But obviously, Will Brennan's hitting. I think they need to see more David Fry. Oscar Gonzalez is somewhere there who's had a who had a good last week with hitting a cycle in Columbus. So there's a lot of you know drumming up when will he be coming back? 
And honestly, we need to see more Tyler Freeman. We need to see some more, some other guys too. So there's going to be some pressure to get more hits. Will Brennan's got to be in there every day. I think we need to see more of David Fry. David Fry just gets hits. I know he doesn't have a natural position right now because of catcher, but they need to find a way to get that guy in the lineup. Really do. He makes a difference for the Guardians. All that to be said, the hitting has to get better. Jimenez and Bell's two guys, they have to do better. And I think they need to see you know, some improvement, not as much as Bell and Jimenez, but Quan, I think they need to see some jumps there. He, he can do better than what he's doing right now. Need to see some improvement. And I think that will go a long way. If there's hope on this team, it's point number three. Jay Ram and Josh Naylor have really carried this organization the first half of the season. Jay Ram's on the All-Star team. I thought he had the biggest hit of the season in St. Louis. I thought that hit was really crucial into what the Guardians needed at that time. They were down and out. Looks like they were about ready to fade away. He hit a big hit a big home run. And Josh Naylor's in the top 10 of RBIs. He is one of the best hitters in the seventh inning on. The stats prove that. He's one of the best RBI leaders in the game after the seventh inning. Guardians have two guys at the three and four hole that are really pushed. And Rosario's starting to come around as well in the two hole. So there's some hope there too. He had another big hit on Saturday night. He's starting to figure it out. This is when he got really hot last year, if people would forget. He always starts off slow. He's starting to get hot again. And Rosario does hit with men on base. So I think there's some hope there. J-Ram and, and Naylor, though, have really – the young guns and those two have lifted the team. And I would actually throw in Will Brennan, too. Will Brennan's really having a quiet on the national scene. But to us Guardians fans, Will Brennan's having a really big year. Really big year. Can't even imagine what you'd be doing without him. And then finally, they've really worked through this catcher situation. It's not surprising, but it's been made pretty clear. The Zanino – well, just quickly, Zanino didn't work. Cam Gallagher's a backup catcher. They are going to go with Bo Naylor, who does seem to be ready for prime time. I like Bo Naylor. I want to see more Bo Naylor. Bo Naylor's going to be starting every day. They figured out the catching situation. By the way, it's another rookie in that spot. So for people who want to complain and get mad at the Guardians, you have three, I think, rookie pitchers with Allen included. Allen Bybee Williams are going to be there all year long making starts with a rookie catcher now leading this, this ball club. And they are right there for the central. I think they're going to win the central for people who get mad about the guardian spending money. Remember in baseball, you don't share local ad dollars. So the guardians spend almost every dime they can in this team. I do defend the Dolans a lot. I'm the one guy. I'll defend them. I defend the Dolans a lot. I like the Dolans a lot. I do. I like them. I think they do about as much as they can because the money situation is not equally, equally divided as they are in other sports. That's a significant difference in the sport compared to the NBA and the NFL. The Guardians are right there. They're in the right division. The AL Central is weak. They can win this division, and they have not played their best baseball yet. I would stay patient with this team. They've done it with youthful starting pitching. They aren't scoring a whole lot of runs at times. Naylor and J-Ram are carrying this team, and they have a young catcher. 
A lot going on at 40 and 42, but halfway through, they're right there. The Central's theirs for the taking. One more segment when we come back. And welcome back to our final segment here in the Believe in the Land show. My name is Andy Billman. Again, check out BelieveInTheLand.com. Check out at Official Cleveland Sports. It's content that we really care about. I follow. I st- I'm studious about I think you'll enjoy it. If you like the show, I think you'll like those two platforms. At Official Cleveland Sports. YouTube page as well. And BelieveInTheLand.com. All right, finally. this is a. It's a little early, but I thought we'd start off by talking. You know, here we are a year later. Browns are in the way off season. I mean, way off season. And yet we're a year removed from Baker Mayfield being traded on the 6th of July. He was traded to the Carolina Panthers. It's amazing how different this team is. This team without Jadavian Clowney anymore going into next year without John Johnson, without Kareem Hunt, but the Baker Mayfield era was about winding up right after the 4th of July that he was going to go to the Panthers. And wow, what a big change for the, for the Browns. A year later, this team is very different from where they were a year ago. And they're a whole lot different going into this year. I mean, it's big changes. And, you know, maybe we all were naive to think how much real change is going to be needed here. But it really needed to be started with the quarterback for some river for one reason or another. There's been stories that have come out. There's been a lot that's been said, but Baker Mayfield, for better and for worse, and there's many moments where he was better. You cannot take away the Sunday night game against the Giants. You can't take away that win he had in the second half against the Bengals. After a first half where I thought he was going to be benched, and many others were saying the same thing on Twitter. Then you get to the wonderful performance he had in Tennessee, the great job he did in Dallas. Many other appearances where he really played well. The Jets game, Bud Light game, will always be a dear place in my heart. There were a lot of other moments, too, where he pushed the envelope. He had that strange game in Denver where he was shaving during the middle of the game, which was so inappropriate and not right. There's other moments, too, where I don't think you showed proper defense mechanism of being a teammate. Don't know, now looking back at it, if he handled the Miles Garrett situation appropriately. Probably didn't. Back, pretty sure he didn't. He didn't handle any other situations either very well. We can get into why or what. He did not handle Odo Beckham Jr. well. For that matter, neither did the Browns. But, you know, Baker Mayfield's quarterback didn't work out. And his play in the field was suffering. His last season here in Cleveland, he just wasn't very good. And so far, being away from Cleveland, nothing has really changed. He's a below-average quarterback. He was being propped up by many things that the Browns tried to do. A lot of excitement with him coming in here. You know, that HBO Hard Knocks brought a lot of excitement with him coming into town. But he really could never, without proper, you know, proper support. He could just never, as we learned, he was never going to be able to take the Browns to that special place outside of that one win in Pittsburgh. That that win in Pittsburgh is going to cement him in Cleveland lore, and it will, whether we like it or not. And that was the other thing. He was very, defi- he was very divisive in the fan base. 
You were either pro-Baker or anti-Baker. You couldn't be in the middle. Thought I divided the fan base a lot. Boy, there are Baker bros and Baker girls. And there are certainly the others, too. He was one of the most unique, polarizing players I've ever seen come through Cleveland because you can't say he was bad. You can't say he was great either. But as we learned over time, he really wasn't made, as we've seen so far, for long-term greatness in the NFL. Maybe it will change. But so far, there's no signs of it all. In fact, there's signs he's probably not going to be in the league much longer outside of a backup. But Baker did not work out. And this was right after the 4th of July. We'll get into more about Baker next week. But it's almost the anniversary. And it is amazing how much it has changed between this time last year to this time right now. The clowning gone, Kareem Hunt gone, John Johnson gone. These are major guys expected to do major things with Cleveland Browns. They're not only gone, none of them have teams right now. They're free agents. And there's Baker Mayfield also gone. We'll get into more about the Baker Mayfield trade. I'll look back at his career next week here on the show. Congratulations to Jose Ramirez. Congratulations to Emmanuel Clase. They are going to be in the All-Star game again as reserves. We went through the Guardians. They're 40 and 42. It's amazing they've gotten here for everything they've had to gone through so far this year. They get to play the Cubbies, which is on right now. Cavs, I think, have made the right move so far in free agency. Max Strauss coming in is exciting. Niang is exciting. Levert needed to come back. Sally, it's the end for Osmond and for Stevens. That was the week that was in Cleveland sports. My name is Andy Billman. Thank you for tuning in. We'll be back here next week. <laughs>